Welcome to another episode of Viatorian Voices Conversations on the Way. This episode is another roundtable on the way, a more in-depth feature to explore things a little further than we can squeeze into the usual 15 minutes. This roundtable continues our series focusing on young adults, featuring young adult associate Brian Hansen with various guests. These episodes are produced as full video episodes for both YouTube and podcast feeds. Previously, Brian and I were joined by Jacob Lesage, a young adult husband and father, a maternity BVM parishioner, and a VYC alum. We discussed marriage, fatherhood, and family life, and we encourage you to check out episode 55 on YouTube at Viatorian USA or in your podcast feed. In this roundtable discussion, we'll discuss what it's like to be young adults who in the Viatorian charism and ministerial tradition are teachers of the faith. Brian is back again, and this time he is joined by Mr. Zach Wolbert. Both of them are theology teachers at St. Vider High School, where they've served together for the past several years. They'll share some insights from their years of striving to teach the faith to young people. I'm pre-associate Dan Masterton, and it was my pleasure to host this conversation for us. I started by asking the guys how they got into teaching theology and what it was like to discern that vocation. Enjoy the conversation. I guess I went a, a lot of different routes in high school. You know, not, not entirely sure what I wanted to do. For a while, I really wanted to be an architect. Decided I really liked looking at buildings, but not necessarily the math behind them. <laughs> so, um, so you know, just I, I think like kind of like feeling what I was good at, what I really liked to do. Um, and I had different passions, but like were those passions worth pursuing as a career? Um, and I ended up landing on, I really enjoyed my time in youth ministry, in high school youth ministry, doing retreats and that sort of stuff. So, you know, by the time I went to college, I already knew I wanted to study theology, but I, I was mostly going actually to be a youth minister. And it was my first semester there. Um, first, I realized just studying theology would not get me enough credits to graduate. So I was going to have to add <laughs> something else. And then I also took a kind of a theology-ish course that first semester with a lot of people that were living on my floor, uh, kind of our community took the class together. Uh, and as we were preparing for our final exam, um, you know, they were like, oh my gosh, how do we write these essays? Like, like, like so worried about that. And I had everything laid out and I was like, well, you know what, actually it would be helpful for me to study if I like walked you through each of the parts of this essay and like kind of reminded you oh, of teacher um, before you're teaching. Yeah, right. Like re remind you of like what we went over in the lecture and, and that sort of thing. And I, you know, outlined it on the board for them and they were like, hey, you should really be a teacher. And I was like, you know, I like need more credits. So, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe I'll look into this whole secondary education thing and went through with it. And, you know, I, I think I, I still had in this mind, this mindset of I, I want to be a youth or campus minister. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to be able to do some of those things in, in addition to teaching. Um, but I'm very passionate about teaching theology, too. So I think it's just, yeah, kind of identifying some of those skills and passions and uh, following that through what you really want to do with your life and what you're good at and how you can use that to benefit other people. Nice. What about you, Brian? Yeah, um, I would say probably where it all starts for me, like actually goes back to the time of my confirmation in eighth grade. Um, I'm an Arlingtonites local, so I got confirmed at Our Lady of the Wayside, but 
I remember like after my confirmation um, and like transitioning to high school at St. Viator, that when I started taking um, the theology courses there, specifically Father Corey's, um, when he was teaching uh, fundamentals of the Catholic faith as a, for a freshman teacher, I just remember <clears throat> really like immersing myself in those um, complex and uh, complex questions that like the bigger, the larger than life questions, like why are we here? Um, if there is a God, like why does God allow the suffering of people? You know, if God is all good and loving, like I really think that freshman course at Viator just exposed me to those larger than life questions that I, I truly was interested in. And I think my theology teachers at Viator saw that in me. I think the theology courses just when taking them provided that space to just dive into it in their various aspects of theology, whether it be like learning the basics about the Catholic faith or the scripture class that they offered for sophomores. And then we had some church history class my junior year and then ethics our senior year. But just along the way, I just loved being in that kind of, like that's what the class focused on. like. And trying to seek an answer to a question that there isn't necessarily a uh, black or white answer or um, a yes or no, um, there's room for interpretation. That's definitely what theology offers or um, incorporates into the subject. And so I really love that. I remember also taking junior year, uh, Brother Lunar uh, was my junior year teacher. and. This man uh, really, I think, was the catalyst for me wanting to possibly pursue a teaching career. I just loved, have you ever seen Dead Poet Society <laughs> and Robin Williams and um, just a very, uh, he was a passionate educator. He definitely grabbed our attention. Sometimes he would jump on desks or like move students' desks around to get the point across. And uh, I, I remember like actively thinking to myself, like, Usually people, when they think of like theology classes, oh gosh, I gotta go to a theology class. I was actually like eager to go to theology class. Okay. So that was something when I noticed that in Brother Lunar, like the fact that he was able to stir up those feelings in me, I wanted to do that um, for students if I ever became a teacher. And so like, it was really St. Viator, the theology courses that when I got to college at Carthage that I wanted to be a religion major. And I, unfortunately, oddly enough, I wasn't able to minor in secondary ed because that was, for some reason, you couldn't take religion as a major and minor in secondary ed and let that be your subject matter. So, but then oddly enough, at my senior year, they, they changed the whole uh, protocol. And so I, then they were able to allow it. So that kind of frustrated me. I just, I remember going to Carthage and I, oddly enough, I said to myself, like, when I was trying to discern what sort of career path I wanted to go to, when I was taking all these like tests and quizzes in this career class that I took my freshman year, they said, oh, teaching could be your area of interest actually. And so I was like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll major in religion, minor in secondary ed, which it didn't happen. And uh, I'll, when I graduate, I'll then teach at Viator. Like <laughs> now obviously that like right after I graduate, I'll teach at Viator. And I remember having that thought now, obviously that didn't come to fruition immediately, but the fact that, you know, I graduated in 2015 and then fast forward to 2019, um, I then ended up 
teaching at my alma mater was kind of like surreal. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of life experiences that happened in between, kind of bouncing off of what Zach said about like the ministerial component of theological education. Like, I think having some experiences where you can be involved in campus ministry or youth ministry, it actually enhances your ability to be a theological educator when you are finally in the classroom. So I think that's a little snippet of uh, Yeah, related to some of the background that helped you discover you might have vocation to teaching theology, are there experiences within your campus ministry activity or in your life of faith in your parish or at your school where you started to see gifts or passions emerge in you that weren't necessarily from academics, but kind of told you what your heart and mind were made of that might translate to teaching down the line? And you kind of talked about that a little bit, Zach, but does anything else stick out from the years leading up? Yeah, I mean, I, I led a lot of retreats as a high schooler, um, and I, I always really enjoyed that. I mean, I tried to go on every retreat that I could um, and be a leader as well. I think when I was given the opportunities to give a talk on a retreat, I would I would take that like so seriously, you know, I would um, really think about it and go to like adoration and stuff and try to figure out, okay, what does God want me to communicate through this talk? And then I, I would memorize all my talks. Wow. You know? um, so I, I just felt that that was like maybe a, a little more personal touch. But I think something like that, where it's like, that's, that's an indicator of passion, right? That you, something that you're willing to put so much effort towards, um, and develop and, and, you know, I I would, I would forego some like other homework assignments or like not study for a test so that I could prepare for this retreat. My mom, of course, was not happy about that, you know, (laughs) wanted wanted me to focus on, and, you know, I, I did fine. But yeah, I, I, that was that was what was important to me and that's what I wanted to grow in and like you know really think about how I could how I could do better develop that skill uh so that that was something that it came out and of course like just interacting with people uh leading a small group I think being a theology teacher is just so different because I mean all teachers have to be like compassionate and whatnot but you're talking about a subject matter that it is all about relationships. And if you're unable to form relationships with your students or, or coworkers or whatever, like that's that's gonna hinder you from taking that next step. So certainly ministry, as Brian said, like ministry is so connected with being a theology teacher, even though in a lot of ways they are different, but they, they are connected in a lot of the skills correspond with each other. Yeah, and that vocational insight is really keen that the way that you choose to prioritize and spend your time is usually pretty tightly related mm-hmm. to what is your inner heart's desire, what you want to do. So good on you for recognizing that, mm-hmm. connecting the dots. And do you have anything that comes to mind, Brian, from college yeah. or post-grad? This relates to you know the window of time between my graduation from college in 2015 and then finally coming back to Viagra to teach. Uh, Obviously, I didn't go straight into teaching, uh, but that was because I did volunteer work for the Catholic Church in the Diocese of Green Bay and the diocese within the state of Wisconsin. Um, there's a ministry called Spiritus, where uh, young adults in their 20s, that they, they live in community, uh, young Catholic adults, and they travel throughout the state of Wisconsin putting on 
um, retreats uh, where students between the ages of second grade through senior year in high school, depending on the type of retreat, they get to encounter these young adults who are on fire for the Catholic faith. And basically it's like a, a retreat experience where they get to hear from the voices of 20 year olds who are not much older than, than they are, but they get to encounter young men and women who love their Catholic faith and get to explain why they are committed to their Catholic faith. And so I think my, my just my general passion for theology from Viator and then Carthage, that like loving to study theology and you know asking those deeper questions, that then allowed me to communicate my love for the faith to young people. And it was during the, that two-year period, it was 2015 to 2017, similar to Zach, like we would have to memorize our witness talks in front of large groups of young people. Sometimes I, we had retreats where there were hundreds of youth, and that can be really intimidating. But when giving those witness talks, there were like young people on occasion that would come up to me and be like, wow, like I could just, I can tell that you really care about what you're telling us about, like that you truly um, love your faith. And like they would express their gratitude for sharing that with me. And like that would cause them to like take a step back and be like, wait a minute, like being Catholic is not something that requires me to be like in my 60s and 80s to start thinking about like I can actually live out my faith in the here and now. So I think like it was during that time, just like what Zach was saying about how being a theological educator involves having an attention to relationship building. Uh, and I think I learned that really during my first year of teaching at Viator, because before I even started teaching, as I'm sure any like educator can sympathize and understand, like that first year of teaching and those those days leading up to the first day of school are so like nerve like you're nervous like uh, you have butterflies in your stomach you're like how like are the kids going to respect me are they gonna am I gonna be able to relate to them and are they gonna take seriously what I'm teaching like you have all these thoughts going through your mind and I remember during orientation when I was meeting other new faculty members and then meeting the, the veterans and that's when I also met Zach because Zach uh, came in before me I happened to run into Father Corey, my old freshman <laughs> nice. uh, teacher, at, and he also taught me my junior year. But I was like, <laughs> I was like, do you have any advice for me? Like, I just <laughs> happened to, you know, I was like, it's finally here, like, you know. And he told me, he's like, they, referring to the students, he said, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. And that kind of like perplexed me at first. I was like, wait, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. And I kind of took that and like put it in the back of my mind. And I just, you know, like got pushed into the deep end of my first year of teaching. And that year as Zach, as I'm sure he'll, he'll agree, you're like just treading water. Yeah. But at the end of the year, when I gave out the evaluation of the course and uh, that evaluation process also involves like, what did you think of your teacher? Like in any ways, any positive feedback that you can give about your teacher, etc. I had a lot of students or, or even things like, what did you learn from this course? A lot of students were like, when taking this course, I really got the sense that Mr. Hansen cared about me. 
Like, so I, I saw that on a couple occasions and, and here I am like, so fixated on like, what did you learn? Like, 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 which is very important. But yeah. then I recognized after reading through those evaluations, wait a minute, like I did what Father Corey advised me to do is make sure that they know that you as an individual, you as an educator care about your students' well-being. Because it's through that that you form that bridge of trust that then allows you to continue sharing the Catholic faith. Yeah. So, sorry. I mean, I, I think, like, going off of that, that's one thing that makes theology unique is that it, it is a, it's about faith, so it's a lived thing, right? And I think, what did they learn from the Course? Well, they learned how to be Christian because you showed that to them in the way that you interacted with them. Um, so you you actually lived out what you were teaching, and and so sometimes yeah they they don't remember like the the stuff that they're tested on, but you can still show them how to live a Christian lifestyle just in the way that you interact with them. Yeah, I had a friend who also taught theology who said you don't necessarily teach what you know, you teach who you are, mm-hmm. and that yes. kids are such good detectors of what's phony and what's authentic mm-hmm. that if you're authentically living your faith and it comes through your teaching, it all kind of connects together. Yeah. yeah. So what, what if we dig into that a little bit further? As you kind of started to be classroom teachers, you started working with young people, how would you describe your approach? What were you trying to do in your classroom? What were you trying to do for and with your students? How would you describe the way that you've kind of learned to be a teacher of the faith? Small question, right? No big deal. <laughs> I have to start every time. Yeah, Brian, you do it. Zach uh, can ruminate for a uh, second. Yeah. Well, definitely, like, I've kept that motto of Father Corey's in, as like a foundation uh, whenever I'm teaching my students, like always making sure that they know that I care about them. But like a care that involves a couple of things, like care for just A, you, you as a human being, like having dig- inherent dignity, right? Because we're all made in the image and likeness of God. But also I think caring involves an invitation to calling that person to more um, in what in the relationship that you're forming with them, right? Uh, and you know that's what teachers are are regardless of their um, subject matter. I think are trying to do in that uh, student teacher relationship is help them help students recognize the importance of whatever you're learning about and in, help invite them to see like. Uh, their ability to explore this topic, right? And like kind of challenge them in ways that they maybe never thought that they could be challenged, you know? I think like some of the best courses that I I ever took like in my educational career were some of the hardest ones that required me to like put in the extra work and um, the teachers even saying like, this is good, but you can still do more. And sometimes those moments when that teacher says that to you, you're like, what more can I get, right? <laughs> and then when you go back to the drawing board, by God's grace, you are able to do more. And like, it's it's in those moments where you have that healthy, like stretching mm-hmm. um, that I find to be very important. So like, that's what I mean by caring. Like, I think like sometimes we can, I think caring means like, oh, allowing the student to, you know, go at their own pace or like kind of, be the dictator of, of the terms. Take advantage know? of you, maybe. Yeah, take advantage, yeah. right? And 
obviously like when that happens there can be chaos in the classroom <laughs> so this goes back to what zach was saying about how a lot of times when the students leave your classroom and continue on their life journey there might they might not necessarily remember all the nitty-gritty details of the course those important talking points that you learned in the different units and I think that's like a healthy disposition uh, that you as a theological educator need to have. Like for me personally, like my mission is to plant seeds of, of, of faith, right? And like, I might plant the seed, right? And I might not see the fruit or like the, the plant uh, take shape and grow after that individual walks away with that seed of faith, but God called me to take on the role of planting it, right? And I think that's like, very much a part of of our Catholic faith. Like so many saints along the way, they were formed by certain individuals at a certain period of time, right? And like, so I think that's my mission as an educator is just to like hum, be humble in the reality that it's not all dependent upon me to make sure that these students have everything. They're going to be saints by the end of my course. Yeah. Uh, That'd be awesome if they did. You know? <laughs> but like to have that um, humility uh, in knowing that like I have a role in this student's life, so Lord, give me the grace to to fulfill that role, whatever that may be, right, and do my part. So, yeah. A lot of what Brian said holds true. I, I think one thing you know I always start the year thinking about and trying to express in some way that like we're on a, a journey together you know it, this isn't just about like me throwing things at them and then like they just go off and do their own thing right like this is a process of discovery there's just so much there that that we can learn that I can still learn I learn from my students and, and such too so I think like part of my mission and my outlook is like I'm, I'm on a journey with my students and how can I maybe enter more fully into that journey with them. I mean, sometimes I'm up there teaching and I'm like making these connections on the fly and I'm like, you know, I want them to be fascinated too. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm just realizing like all this stuff is connected. Like, do you, do you see this? You know, I, I think I'm on this journey and I find it fascinating. I want to kind of pass that along to them and maybe like bring them along with me too as we as we go through the course so that's certainly part of my approach uh, but then I, I think a lot of what Brian was saying about you know striving for more I think a, a couple charisms one Viatorian and one Jesuit I know I know we're you know Viatorian and whatnot but uh, there's so many connections with the Jesuits too of course, the Viatorian charism of, of caring for those counted of little importance. And I I think you know, we work at St. Viator High School. We might not see our students as those counted of little importance, but I think sometimes they are. I, I think sometimes, you know, people look at them and it's like, ah, you know, like you're just a high schooler mm -hmm. or, you know, even, even in a great area like Arlington Heights and the great benefits that are offered at at St. Viator High School. You're a high schooler. You're just going to do your coursework and and then go on. And maybe you'll do great things later. And I I think that's just not a great perspective. I think they can do great things now. 
You know, I, I think we need that. We need this rejuvenation or just the, the idea that like, you're important right now. You know, like every, every moment that you have here is important. And that's, that's why I push them to think about bigger things, you know, things that it's like, oh, well, that's, that's out there. That's like, I don't have to deal with that. It's like, well, you do. I mean, you're part of the world and you, you do have to deal with it. And you can make a difference now, even just as a, a high schooler, you can start that process of making a difference. So along with count, um, you know, caring for those kind of little importance, the Jesuit uh, value of, of modules, yeah. you know, which is kind of what Brian was talking about. what I was about. hearing in his comments. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like the striving for the more. And it's not just like I'm trying to learn more. I mean, obviously that's part of it, but I, I need to do more to be more, you know. I, I have to, I'm not just doing this for no purpose at all, that there's a purpose and a point to everything, you know, and I have to think about that. Why am, I, why am I learning this? You know, why am I thinking about this right now? What more can I do with that? And how can I become something greater because I've gone through this experience? So, and I, I know that a lot of my students maybe, maybe don't feel the same way. Maybe it's just, okay, I just took that course, you know? But I, I hope that at least some are like, you know what, that just pushed me to do more. You know, and again, it might not be about like learning all these theological details it might just be about living a different kind of life or a different lifestyle or just seeking more passion or you know whatever that might be or, or your your vocation your calling your skills your gifts and how you can share that with the world and then you know preparing them for the beyond too you know just i i want them to you know like hey you're in you're in this kind of bubble right now in high school um maybe start to pop that bubble and realize like okay like this is this is reality you know i'm about to enter reality and what more can i do there yeah yeah and like reality is messy uh and i think even just like aside from like teaching the subjects of theology like in a lot of ways educators regardless of their subject matter are teaching them basic life skills uh, along the way that they're going to need for sure in college and then beyond the college realm. Like one thing that I really stress to my students is the importance of self-advocacy. Because I remember those times in college when, you know, uh, deadlines for major papers were coming up. And, you know, for me, one of my weaknesses is I'm a slow writer. And sometimes I like struggle with perfection and wanting my paper to sound perfect and be uh, well written uh, and that would sometimes delay me and I know there were times uh, as a student in college that you know I reached out to my professor I let them know in advance about my circumstances and in those moments I had educators that were like well here uh, I know the deadline for this paper is here is at this time but I'll give you a couple more days uh, to make sure it's all uh, fleshed out and that taught me like if I advocate for myself and I keep my educators in the loop with my academic journey, like a lot of times those educators are going to help you and give you that extra support. And so like, I've really stressed that to my students about, Hey, if you have problems, let me know. We live in the 21st century. We have email. Like there's no, there's no longer that excuse of like, Oh, well, 
you know, I, I didn't, I just didn't know to contact you, you know? So I think aside from the existential or the bigger picture, like we're also along the way trying to form them to be uh, responsible adults. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a, a discipline, you know, and I, I think Brian and I have relatively similar teaching styles and sometimes we get called like the, the hard teachers, you know? <laughs> but I think both yeah. of us have agreed that, you know, we want to form our students in, in a very holistic way, right? And like sometimes that is hard and sometimes they don't like that, right? Like I obviously, and that's that's fine, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I, I get it, it's tough and whatnot, but ultimately I think, you know, at least, you know, from people that I've heard and whatnot, they come out the other side like appreciating, okay, I've formed myself in a discipline and the rigor ultimately, you know, we meet people where they're at, right? Yeah. Like, and, and Brian was kind of just saying that. And so it's not like, oh, well, Tough. too bad. Yeah, like, oh, you're struggling? Oh, too bad. Yeah. Um, you know, just catch up or whatever. But, but at the same time, okay, how can we, how can we be rigorous and form them in, in kind of a discipline, preparing them again for the future while at the same time learning about the faith and, and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, to retain your compassion. Yeah, as you yeah. try to hold them to a standard. Yeah, like the mm -hmm. fine balance of mercy and, and justice, or like mercy and like discipline, uh, so to speak. Like if one overtips the balance, it kind of gets out of whack. You know. So as you try to implement these ideals and values and work through a curriculum and through units. What kind of challenges have you run into in your years as a teacher? Are there any kind of lessons you had to learn a hard way or things that you know students had to kind of show you before you realized uh, a mm -hmm. way that you might need to adjust or, or approach the ministry of teaching? I currently teach the senior ethics course at St. Vider and just a lot of the topics are really tough, you know. And over the last three years that I've been teaching it, I've had to figure out, okay, how do I how do I approach this, right? Like, I, I think the first year I started by like, okay, here we go, here it is, you know, here's the issue. And it was like, whoa, like, we're just like jumping right into like death and, and all that, you know, it's like, oh, wow, okay. We're just doing that. And that, that can be kind of grating and that can be a way to just like turn people away almost. Like, oh, well, I don't wanna talk about that. So I guess learning how to ease into some of these more difficult topics, and that's something I've worked really hard on the last couple of years, just, okay, just jumping right to that is very difficult and sometimes cause, causes way more friction than needs to be. Maybe there's a more compassionate and gentle way to approach it. So that, that's been really difficult to do and one of the challenges certainly of theology one of my friends is a science teacher and he always says yeah I'm glad I just teach things that there's just like no argument you know it's like, <laughs> here it is you know th this is what it is this is the chemical reaction um, you know learn it whereas we have to deal with there are different opinions and different approaches and all of that and I try to make myself open to that right like I, I get that people have different opinions than what the church teaching is. And we can talk about those things, you know? And it, it's okay if, if you're coming in with that mindset. But at the same time, I, I also want to show you 
the other way, in, in a gentle way, but there is another way out there. So finding that fine line, I guess, has been has been tricky. Yeah, young people are often spoiling for debate mm-hmm. and maybe lose sight of dialogue or like listening. And I think mm-hmm. one of the important roles for an ethics teacher is how can you help everyone be heard mm-hmm. and also make space for this Catholic way to get a full hearing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a tough responsibility, but I'm sure one that you relish a little bit in the way that it kind of calls out of you you know, all your gifts and passions to try to do this really well. Honestly, it's a very difficult course to teach, but it's also very fulfilling yeah. at the same time. So. To build off of what Zach was saying in terms of the challenges, I think students, when it comes um, in particular, because Zach and I have talked about this in recent conversations, just uh, the writing capabilities of uh, the, the new generation of high schoolers um, is, at times concerning. Uh, that's the nice way of putting it. <laughs> um, uh, just, um, I, I think it's, uh, in, in the realm of theology, I think it, it boils down to like the inability to explain oneself, right? Like, I think sometimes students will just give the straight answer, right? Um, or like they think they're giving the straight answer, but they're not showing us, the theology teachers, how they got to that answer, right? Similar to math, right? How you have to show your work explaining how you got the answer based on uh, the problem or the equation that you have. For us in the realm of theology, and this is not just theology, it's English, social studies, here's the, the question, what is your response to it? And sometimes that's an argumentative question and you need to show your reasoning for it and pointing to evidence. So like in sacred scripture, uh, in our scripture course, a lot of times I'm like challenging my students to be like, well, what, where are you getting this belief, right? How do you know that all, like we are loved by God? Like where in sacred scripture does that, does, do we get that indication, right? And I really want my students to connect the dots, right? Because it, it, in the realm of like dialogue as well, like especially with people who might not be of the Catholic faith, you need to have that those connecting points, right? Like in a way, building off of the ethics, right? Uh, the life and dignity of the human person. That stems in a way from going back to Genesis 1, uh, being made in the image and likeness of God, right? And that is a foundation which the church uses to make uh, her stance on why uh, life from womb to tomb uh, needs to be protected. Or like when I think of like, the issue of abortion. As a Catholic, when you are trying to be pro-life, when you're looking to sacred scripture, you can turn to the incarnation, right? God became incarnate and dwelt in a womb. And from like wherever God dwells, that place is holy. So we could build off of that and, uh, and use that as continual building blocks for discussion. So like all of this matters, like all these different courses within the theology department that we have, they're all interconnected. I think that's uh, just something that I don't think students are aware of. And a lot of times I think when students come into theology class, either they don't, they don't come from a, a background of faith, right? Or if they did, it's very surface level where it's like, oh, I went to Sunday school 
or uh, trying to, uh, I went to Catholic school. So what's the program for students who don't uh, go? Uh, CCD. CCD, thank you. And it's maybe coloring pictures of like David throwing a slingshot at Goliath, right? Like, but that's not what theology is, right? It, like we're, we're really taking these aspects of our faith and like diving deeper into them. Like what's the symbolism behind Dave, the story of David and Goliath, right? That even people who may have the outward of appearance of a, like, they don't look like they're going to win with having God on your side, anything is possible. Right. And I think that's a, a, a message of the story of David and Goliath. Right. So like, that's what theology does is like, we we're trying to take our students deeper. And I think a lot of times the challenge is, is like students just think, Oh, it's just, we're okay at being on the surface level. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I think that goes back to Majus. I, I mean, the three of us, like we are, we want to go deeper and whatnot. But I, I think we live in a society. Now. I mean, it's a you know a TikTok, Twitter or X <laughs> yeah. or whatever it's called now. You know, sort of thing where it's like, I hear something for thirty seconds, or I read, you know, a short little blurb. And it just makes sense at first look, and so that's what I'll go with, right? Whereas we we have to pursue some deeper meaning. And unfortunately, that's just how we've been formed in this like social media world. It's it is all surface level. It's just like, okay, tell me what I need to know and then I'll I'll go with that. That's not theology at all. It's it's not just a oh well here it is, boom, there it is. You know, there's always something more that can be grasped. But we've formed a culture that doesn't want to do that and doesn't appreciate going deeper, finding the more. And that's something that we as teachers have to struggle with is like, okay, you know, the attention, kind of the, span, the, the attention span of our students. Right, exactly. Like show, the show your work sort of thing. I mean, you know, it's looking at some of these papers, it's like they just wrote a statement that's kind of a, a catchphrase sort of mantra. It's like, okay, well, what supports that mantra? You know, like you can't just take a tweet and be like, oh, that's that's a belief statement. You know, that that's it. It must be true. People post things everywhere that are not true. You know, so it, like finding truth is so difficult today and it takes so much effort. Are, are you willing to give that effort? Right. I, I, I hope so. And I want to show them that like putting in that effort is actually worth it in the long run um, to actually know what you're talking about, to be an expert on something. Right. That's a beautiful thing. Right. We're, we're losing, in a sense, expertise. I think. Where, where is it going? Yeah. And and just even a desire to like to your point, like to dialogue or to engage in classroom discussion. Like, I don't know if you recall, like, Dan, from your times at St. Viter High School. I, I got this sense, like, during my years before the iPad era and, and apps and, and intensive technology that I think, generally speaking, like, students would be more than willing to engage in, you know, classroom discussions on the topic at hand because we didn't have... Uh, we had to keep our phones away. Like if we had our phones out, like automatic detention or something, you know, like that was like, uh, that was a big no-no back during our time. And so I think because we didn't have, all we had was our textbooks and everything in front of us and no technological devices, 
we had to be in the here and now. We had to be like, you know, present unless we were sleeping in class. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I was, but um, we like we had no other choice. And I think one of the challenges for educators today with their students is now a lot of times it's not like uh, you are having to deal with a, a very disruptive class like our teachers in our previous uh, when we were younger like. Hey, everyone sit down, be quiet. I have something to say. Quit like distracting your classmates. Now it's more like, all right, what do we think about this? And then there's just silence. And I sometimes want to play the song like, you know, say something I'm giving <laughs> up on you. Like, because it's like, there's no, like there's in, in many ways, I think the challenge is there's an unwillingness to engage with what we're learning. And, and it's the, like the challenge that we're seeing in our world today, like escapism, like uh, escaping into the realm of technology and immersing myself in the world that I want to be in while simultaneously avoiding the reality of, of actual reality. Yeah. Like this is the real world, like you can't yeah. escape it. I was gonna say the trend that I noticed that we have to be careful of is curation. We, through streaming video, streaming music, through on-demand and, and DVR, and we can basically control everything we consume. And when we go into a classroom, we have to let the teacher do some of that curation for us. And so much of the other areas of our life are now curated by ourselves. But I think it's really hard for young people who are like native to this trend to like suspend that and actually follow the lead of the teacher for 45 minutes or 80, 90 minutes, or you know, in college when they have to go to 90 minute classes or two and a half, three hour lectures, it's gonna to be tough and it's gonna be more of a learned thing than an, an endemic thing just to how they, they learn. So it's kind of up to you guys to crack that open a little bit. Yeah, I mean, two things that completely formed the, the our current students, um, one-to-one technology and COVID. Yeah. You know, and the combina- the clash of those two coming together You've got your technology and you've got separation. You know, I, I think truly that set our current students up for I'm just staring at a screen, you know, like that. That's all I want to do. It kind of be, it formed that habit of I don't have to talk to anyone. I don't have to do that like verbal participation, you know, just maybe just like give me a worksheet or yeah. and it's too like people a lot of my students would now rather work alone on something than yeah. in a group you know where whereas you know when i group when we projects were like yeah when we I were mean, in school yeah. it would be like we oh we get to work in a group like heck yeah you know i don't have to do this by myself but now it's now it's either i'm, I'm just going to do the whole thing myself or okay you take this part i'll take this part and then, and that's where the the talking no stops. collaboration, right? No collaboration, like and no even uh, when it comes time to presentation, right? Like, oh well, I only memorize my parts of the slide. No right? interplay. There's right? no recognition of yeah. like, no, like this project, all the different components of yes. it. Like, it's my re- also my responsibility to be aware of the of the whole, not oh, just yeah. my part, not just my role. You know, definitely, like they've lost sight yeah. of that, sadly, and not even. A willingness to like all right well let's get together at the library and continue working on this group project they'll just be like they'll kind of ghost each other as the expression yeah. goes so what would yeah. you guys say then 
if these are all the, the challenges and the hardest parts of the ministry, what would you say are some of the, the joys and the consolations, the things when, you know, can you think of times when things really clicked in a classroom or in a lesson or in a unit or a time when a young person showed you something really powerful in the way that they realized something or gave something back to you as a student? What would you, what would you point to in your experience? I mean, I think it doesn't happen often, but I, I you know, every once in a while we get a class, like a section of students that just, they're just bouncing off each other, right? Like completely engaged. I mean, last semester I had a class that we were always ahead of the other classes because I wouldn't have to stand up there and be like, okay, can, can someone say something, you know? It, they would always participate and they would all like, yeah, what, what that person said, you know, I think that leads to something else. And like, that's just so beautiful, right? To Like that, because that's theology, right? That's going further. We're building off of ideas rather than just, okay, I'm, I'm just going to say my thing or do my thing and, and block out everyone else. I mean, we, we have to come to understand everyone else and their thoughts and, and whatnot. And that can lead to agreements or disagreements. And that's okay, too, because we, we actually learn a lot when we disagree with each other. So classes like that where I'm like, wow, I could just, like, say something and then, like, you'll take it. And, you know, it, it is rare, but it happens, you know, every every year I, I probably get at least a section that's just like, oh, yeah, like, we're all, we're all just kind of in this together and would rather us talk than Mr. Wolbert talk up there. And I'm like, hey. I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of interject when I need to, but otherwise, like, you, you take it. Like, that. I think that's a, a beautiful thing, and that shows me, okay, you know, there are, still, there are still people out there, students who are willing to engage with each other, and I kind of want to just, like, harness that and bring that to everyone. You know, I almost want to, like, take a, a video of the class and, and show it to other classes, like, Look at this. This is this is, this is beautiful. Love. You know, like this is and what is every group can be capable of. Well, it's right. not like unique to any one set of students. Yeah. They just yeah. have to kind of unlock it in themselves yeah. with you. And it's just so much more enjoyable. Yeah. You know, it's like I mean, you can like fall asleep to me talking. Uh, it's, you know, maybe maybe our, our listeners here on this podcast fall asleep, but um, you know, it's, it's way more in, engaging and entertaining when people are sharing their thoughts. And a reflection of church life ought to be both individual and communal, mm. kind of interchangeably side by side, sometimes apart, sometimes together. And like a class like that mirrors that image of the church healthily and in a, in a beautiful, joyful way. One story that comes to mind, a previous academic year, I had a mother send me an email uh, informing me that her family went to the Holy Land and was visiting Israel and uh, seeing some of the major sites of, uh, of uh, Jesus's ministry and where certain miracles according to tradition occurred and just really getting to experience sacred scripture at, in front of them with their own eyes. And she uh, told me in her email that she was amazed that her son was able to point out to the rest of the family members like, oh yeah, this is the place in uh, this gospel where Jesus said this or or did this and yeah she just wanted to share that with me that like she was really impressed with her son's knowledge as to the different parts uh, of the story of Jesus um, and what's really cool about that is in my experience um, bef- 
like before I started teaching at Viator, uh, while I was still in graduate school, I went to the Holy Land in 2019 to be there for three weeks and do exactly just that, like see all the, the places. And I took a bunch of pictures and, you know, brought them back with me and in our various units on, uh, uh, especially the New Testament, I would show the pictures of those places what, uh, of what we just read, right? To help, because a lot of times, you know, when you're just reading words off of a page, sometimes, I mean, sadly, we've lost as a, in some ways as human beings, like the ability to imagine and to just put ourselves in, the, in those stories. And so when you get to go to those actual places and put the words on the page into this reality, you're like, oh my gosh, like you realize what happened here. So like, I think that helped uh, that particular student really enjoy that trip a lot. So I think it's those little things like when you receive a compliment from a parent or even a student at the end of the school year of like, or when they're asking for a letter of recommendation comes college time and then you ask them to fill out the form of like what they learned. You'd be surprised at like certain things that they really took away from from your course. And even even now, so this is my fifth year of teaching. I like the classes that, I mean, the students that I taught that are now moved on into the college world, uh, some of them still stay in contact with me. And, and it's not, well, I'm, I, I hope there, it, it involves some of the, the topics that we, we talked about when I was their teacher, that that's why they stay in contact. But I think it, it goes back to the relationship, right? They knew that I cared, and so they care what I know now. So, so what might you say to young people, whether former students or just young people who might be listening, about potentially discerning a vocation to be in pastoral ministry or to be a, a teacher or even a theology teacher? What kind of advice or insight might you give to someone who's kind of just starting out that discernment journey and thinking about this for their professional life or career or even as kind of like a lifelong like deep-seated vocation starting with the practical if you are a, an individual who is wanting to maybe accumulate a lot of wealth and have a <laughs> very luxurious lifestyle i would say practically speaking if those are things that are really on your heart that being a theological educator may not get you those things right off the bat. I'm not saying miracles can't happen because I mean, that's a part of our subject matter. There's always the lottery. Yeah, there's yeah. always the lottery. <laughs> but um, this is, I mean, to be a theology teacher, you're not, as the expression goes, you're not going into that role for the money. Or it's not, it's, it's a role that money is not at the forefront of, of that person's mind, right? Forefront of your mind is, I've had an encounter with God in my own life, and it's transformed the way I see the world around me, how I live in the world, and it's been positively impactful in my life. And I want to share that with the men and women that I encounter, or excuse me, the young men and women that I encounter on a day-to-day -day basis uh, in this role. I think that's at the forefront of being a theology teacher or you know, a theological educator slash minister. And so, like, I think, practically speaking, you really need to have that awareness going in. Because I think at first, when you, when you finally get into that role, it, it occurs to you, like, oh, well, you know, financially speaking, like, it 
it's not like there may be some hoops that I have to jump or through, or it's not all roses and daisies, right? Um, but I think what keeps you joy-filled in, in that role is like the experiences that I shared with you where people will come up to you after the fact and be like, this really impacted me. And, and those are the moments that reminds you like, this is why God has called you to that role. So like, be aware of the practical aspect of the role of the theology teacher, but also know it's, it's a calling as well. And it might not be like a, uh, a Moses and, and the burning bush kind of calling. You may have kind of like little moments along your way leading up to it, like Zach, where some of his residence hall classmates were like, hey, you should, you're really good at this, at teaching the material. Like, have you ever considered being a teacher? Like, I think those are the moments where God's small, still voice is like speaking into your life and you need to pay attention to those. So, so many Catholic universities and colleges make it really easy to at least minor, if not double major in theology. So it doesn't have to be the only thing you're pursuing in college. And you can, you can always start on that track of like, I'm, I'm just going to take a theology course or maybe a couple and just see what it's like to go through with that. And if I don't like it, I mean, people, I think the average college student changes his or her major like three or four times at this point. So, you know, like, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of trying things because, you know, it, it's always better to try and see that it's not for you than like go through college and then like, oh, actually kind of regret not pursuing that. You know, maybe I, maybe I am feeling called to that, but I didn't pursue it originally. And now I feel kind of stuck. Like, oh, I chose this path. So I guess I'm going to go through with that. So try things. Don't be afraid of that. I, I think too, you know, it's, it's, it's also one thing to study theology uh, and you can do stuff with that alone. Uh, but then also teaching itself is a, a whole other thing too. So, you know, do you like being with people? You know, you know, I'm like, I'm an introvert. I, I'm an introvert who puts himself in extroverted situations. <laughs> Seriously. You know, like every, but every day I go home and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it's, it, it is exhausting. But, you know, do, do you enjoy being with people and does that excite you? You know, are you are you not you're going to be afraid to public speak? You know, I mean, that's that's part of your job every day. So think about some of your skills, some of your passions. Um, you know, I think it's good to just maybe just like sit there and like, OK, think about all the things that go into that. And then in the same way that you can try out, you know, different theology courses, you know, try try an education course as well. I will say, you know, pr probably in every major, there's courses that you're like, I don't know why I had to take this. <laughs> um, and I think uh, theo my theology courses, I loved all of my theology courses. My education courses in college, I would, there were some that I'm like, I really don't know what I was to take away. But the, really the, the extremely beneficial thing of getting that secondary education major as well was that I was able to spend time in schools. You know, whether that be, you know, it, some of them would just be observation. Uh, maybe maybe you're entering college now or you're already in college. You've never really thought about 
what does a teacher do? I've, I've just been in class, I, but I never really thought about like what the teacher yeah. is actually doing. Uh, and so like just going to a school and sitting there and like focusing on the teacher, not, not really what's being taught necessarily, but what, what does the teacher have to do? You know, and then, and then you are given opportunities as well to like take a lesson. Uh, and then ultimately you get to student teach. If you, if you go through with a, with an education major like that, you get a whole semester. That was the best education course that I got was the one that I was teaching, not, not being taught. I mean, I was being taught certain things by my co-teacher, but you know, I was doing the teaching because you learn so much by actually doing. So you know, practice these things, uh, you know, lead, lead a retreat and give a talk, you know, like that, that sort of, uh, there's obviously a ministerial aspect to teaching as well, but then like giving a talk and okay, I'm putting myself out there. I'm putting myself in front of a group. What does that feel like, right? What kind of feelings does that stir up inside of me? Um, does it feel good? Does it feel like something I'm called to? Uh, give yourself the opportunity to try things out. And uh, continuing off of that point, uh, I would also say like, uh, well, be prepared when you are in pastoral ministry or theological education to know that you have to at times revamp. Like, okay, like with this part, like in, in our case, like we have a full class load, five, uh, five classes. When you're teaching uh, a lesson within theology, the how you laid out the lesson may go well with one class and they just get it right away. And then you get to your next class and you're doing it the same way. And then all of a sudden you start realizing, wait a minute, they're not getting it as quickly as my other class. And so in the moment, sometimes in pastoral ministry and like you definitely learn it on on retreats, even things may come up during the retreat event that were unexpected. And same thing in the classroom, like something may happen unexpectedly. You don't have a full class, like some students are absent. And it's in that moment where you as an educator or you as a, as a, a minister, you have to, some people this is easier for than for others, is adjust and adapt in the moment. And that for some people that will take extra learning. And then for others, it will just come naturally. Um, but I think like uh, the other thing I would want to encourage young people who are considering pastoral ministry is also to have like, if this is truly on your heart, do you think that the Lord is calling you to this role to also have faith that all the experiences that you've had prior to it have actually prepared you for that role? So I'll give you an example for myself. Like I, I did theater at St. Vitor High School freshman year through uh, senior year I was in all the plays I was in all the musicals I even did it even before my high school years like starting in kindergarten my mom got me into theater and I really loved it I loved doing those shows and you know uh, being in plays and being certain actors and putting myself out there in the roles that I played uh, when I got to college I, I minored in theater but as I was as the years were going on I just got this sense that I didn't want to do theater as a career uh, for various reasons, but that love and passion that I had for theater, when all the skills that I needed to be in that sort of uh, role or like that, that activity is things that I need in the role of an educator, being able to stand in front of a group, a large group of people and present whatever we're talking about, right? Like I've had to use those uh, skills 
in theater in my theological education. And even like in um, pastoral ministry when I was at Spiritude, speaking in front of people on a particular topic. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like God does not waste the life experiences that you have. Like if you truly allow God and you give all those life experiences that you've had prior to whatever God is calling you to next, like if you give that over to him and say, use what I've done so far in life, like he'll definitely bring that to fruition. Like you, so I guess what I'm trying to say also is like, do what you're interested in, in the here and now. You may be surprised, you may be able to use those things in your professional career, even if those things don't end up in an actual career within that thing. It, it kind of gives hope to those people who are like, can I really do this? It's like, well, kind of to Zach's point, in a lot of ways, you don't know until you're actually in the, in, in our case, in the classroom. I didn't have a minor in, uh, I wasn't minoring in secondary education. I did read some like how to teach books, but they were, you know, in a lot of ways, they were very um, robotic and they gave scenarios that not all the times would line up with your age group of students. And it's really, to Zach's point, like you just gotta be, um, pushed into the deep end and just start treading, you know, and then you learn how to, to swim. That's all for this installment of Roundtables on the Way. We thank Brian and Zach for their ministry in our Viatorian school and their dedication to walking with and forming our young people. Viatorian Voices Conversations on the Way is a production of Viatorian Vocation Ministry. The Viatorians are professed brothers and priests together with women and men lay associates who proclaim Jesus Christ and his gospel and raise communities where faith is lived, deepened, and celebrated. In the footsteps of Venerable Louis Kerbs and under the patronage of St. Vider, we strive to do everything well, so that through us, Jesus may be adored and loved. To learn more about our community, visit viatorians.com or follow us on social media at ViatorianUSA. Those seeking support and accompaniment in exploring God's invitation for them are invited to reach out to Vocation Ministry. Send us a DM on social media or email vocations at viatorians.com to start a conversation. Young adults seeking to engage with the Viatorians and other Viatorian young adults can request to follow our private Instagram at viatorianya on the way to connect in. On behalf of Brother Peter and the Viatorian community, I'm pre-associate Dan Masterton. Venerable Louis Kerbs, inspire us. St. Vider, pray for us. Adored and loved be Jesus. Mm-hmm.